From shamans to scientists, mediums to masterminds, cannabis to LSD. Spark joy, spark curiosity, mm. and spark a joint. Because you're listening to... Welcome to the Budding Mind Podcast. I am your host, Brooke Bergstaller, and today I am so delighted to have not only one of the most incredible artists of our times, one of the most beautiful and poetic singer-songwriters, a brilliant mind, but also my best friend on planet Earth, Megan <laughs> Kinney. Thank you so much for carving out some more time for me. I know you give me a lot already. I I promise I'll only take up 45 this time. (laughs) I'm actually looking at the clock. Okay, perfect. Wow, that's beautiful. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me here. This is, I get a little emotional because it's so much fun to have time carved out to discuss things that, you know, not our our mundane existences that we usually share, but really Mm. witness each other's uh, brilliance in a different format. So thank you. It's funny because all I heard there was you think that my life is mundane. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm definitely kidding. Um, Okay, so let's, you ready to dive into it? Yeah, let's do it. So I have been on a big magic kick lately. Mm. And I actually have you to thank for that because a long time ago you showed me a TED Talk by the author of this book, Big Magic, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert. And she talks about this amazing idea that whatever is created on planet Earth has to be born and that Mm. as an artist or as a creator if you have an idea it is your responsibility to birth it into existence and if you don't someone else might get to it and so there's almost this inherent creative responsibility Mm. to put forth work into the world and i'm curious about your creative process you're always making dope shit do you feel like a channel of of your work do you feel like it's gifted to you in some capacity like what inspires you and what is your your process like and how is that maybe connected to a higher sense hmm yeah we're starting off light (laughs) yeah let's go no i'm i think it's interesting um what you said a moment ago about about fearing the mundane and i think i think that the creative process can be all the whole spectrum of it it can be these moments these flashes of brilliance and and early on i think in in my songwriting career my life as a creator whatever you want to call it i i I kind of got addicted to that feeling of like you you get struck by lightning and you have to get this down on paper and it's this whole um mm kind of brilliant experience of being a channel or being a vessel for something that has a a frequency that's higher than our human mundane existence. Uh, But I think when you choose to commit to do something, um, you know, it's can be 80 to 90% a mundane existence of just trying to set yourself up in a position of discipline so that Mm. you just show up for the work every day and it might be shit for however many days in a row and then you might have a tiny little whisper that you hear and you have to follow that a little bit and kind of pique your curiosity to go after a song and then maybe you'll sit with a song for five years and never figure it out and then someone else comes along and has a cue to help you continue it. I love that. I I used to think that 
I would always remember every song I'd ever written or that I would, and I've definitely reached a place in my life where I can't, I have too many freaking notebooks, I can't, I don't know where's what, and I can't remember the song that's been written, and I think that's honestly pretty amazing. But yeah, I think I think inspiration can come from all different sources, and um, and as I grow, I just I'm kind of more open to that evolving and changing because I don't. The second that I think like, oh, this is how my process has to be, and I go for it consistently, and then it doesn't pan out the way that I want it to, I'm like, oh, I just have to be open to to what happens. Some days I'm gonna wanna be in my underwear and dance around, <laughs> and other times, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's really cool what you said that, uh, you know, there's a balance between you can be very high and mighty and spiritual about it. Yes, like all of my songs find me. But as a human being, you also have to find them. You have to work to create too. It's not all, it's not all magic and in the mundane is magic. Yeah, it's, it's the process of finding the magic in the mundane that, uh, that you learn it, it, any mindfulness practice. It's how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I just continually get slapped with that all the time. Mm, damn, <laughs> damn, y'all. It. She's fucking wise. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, whether songs come to you or you're writing them in your underwear and you're bored, um, <laughs> you know, I've known you for a long time. Can't mm-hmm. do much math over mm-hmm. here. Um, more of a words gal. But... 10 years, 12 years, whatever. Yeah. I think it'll be 10 years. No, more than 10 years because almost almost college, 2009. Okay, anyways. It's been a minute. Numbers, numbers. (laughs) But I've known you since you really picked up a guitar Mm -hmm. and started dedicating yourself to a musical practice. And, you know, you've always. Megan's an incredible acrobat and dancer and expressor and, and wordsmith and all of these things. But, like, all of these different aspects of yourself came together with the glue of music. And it was, it's been very phenomenal to watch your journey. But the songs that you first started writing in a Las Vegas hotel room <laughs> to the songs that you're writing now, you know, in a beautiful Silver Lake home, uh, how has your musical style and, and your expression of writing evolved alongside you as a human being just growing or I don't know like just talk to me a little bit about that uh things you've noticed in your experience yeah I mean I think more and more what you and I like where you and I met as a friendship was like no matter what it is we do our our journey of understanding ourselves is kind of the first it's at the forefront of our lives whether we chose that to be or not and I think it is at the forefront of every human being's life it's just not everyone actively chooses to to present that way or to like take the step to dive, dive in. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I don't recommend it. <laughs> it should get crazy. <laughs> but uh I think that the music I don't know that I necessarily knew it when I was younger that that's what was happening and and that kind of lended itself to be a a beautiful um like naiveness to it in a way it was just like these things are happening to me and I'm experiencing them now I have a little bit more of an understanding of like okay this thing that's coming up might be a me processing something in my subconscious in a certain capacity and maybe I can actually listen and learn from this song yeah and but but also like I wrote songs when I was younger that 
I don't think I really understood. And now I listen back to them and I'm like, oh, that made sense. Now, 10 years later, I was writing something I didn't have the capacity to understand because I just wasn't there yet. But but creativity doesn't know time. It It's like a, there's a brilliant book called The War of Art. Mm. Have you ever? No, I haven't read it. Um, Can't read. It's, <laughs> it's tricky, you know. Sometimes <laughs> it's... A, putting things together but uh, I actually was reading it the other day and there's a quote in there that says that music or creativity is like the timeless communicating through the time bound and I think I that hit me so hard because I was like we do <laughs> we do have you know there there's a support that if you feel like you get from another place when you're making something or something comes through you or you're writing and it, it just seems to happen and and I think that where it's coming from doesn't really have time in the way that we humans have time and and so certain things can come out at certain points in a career um, like one of my biggest role models is uh, Joni Mitchell amazing creator and I you know, was going to say that Megan, in 20 years, okay, like 30, 40 years, is going to be Joni freaking Mitchell. Dude. Long, uh, straight, white hair with the bangs. You gotta have the bangs. I was thinking about giving myself bangs. <laughs> I'm always thinking about giving myself bangs. But, uh, Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, I've always taken interruption for Joni. Um, she, one of the first songs I ever learned on guitar was Both Sides Now by her. And she has a very funny way of putting it. She She's like, I, I wasn't in the right role when I wrote that song. It's not an ingenue song. And I wrote it when I was an ingenue. And, and she thought it was funny. She was like, you know, a 21-year-old woman singing about having seen life from both sides at that point didn't really make sense. And she got to do it later again in her 60s and in a whole wow. beautiful component of orchestra and things. Uh, and I don't know that I've ever had as intensive a sort of uh, misplaced timeline of a song, but for me personally, I'll write something and I'm like, you didn't know what the freak you were talking about back then. And now it seems to resonate so much deeper than most things in life. Really profound. And it ties back to the big magic idea in some ways that if an idea keeps tapping on you, then it probably does want to be born through you Mm -hmm. and you literally just might not understand why yeah sometimes you just got to surrender to it and be like this is the this is the sounds that are coming out of me now and uh maybe it's gonna make sense one day i can't help think about this is a bad joke but whatever i can't help think about (laughs) the spice girl song when two become one Mm -hmm. i think they very well knew what that meant at the time but Brooke, little Brooke, when she listened to Two Become One, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, best friends yeah, become just, one. Uh-huh. And that's best friends are basically one person. It's best friend. And now I realize it's like a, you know, a really naughty, <laughs> naughty concept. It, this is not the same at all, but I just wanted to let you know that Spice Girls is on my mind. Is this one of the songs? Is this a shift? For a while it was a... Uh, uh, Come on, pretty mama, let me do that conga. No, you, you can't control yourself any longer. I'm sorry, I am not licensing this music, so I need you to stop singing. I'm so sorry. But speaking of music licensing, <laughs> wow, what a segue. Wow, segues are an art form, let yeah, me tell you. Damn. So Megan 
has started along with a band of hooligans, a music licensing and so much more company called Bad Owl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think at like a baseline level, I understand the mission, but I would love to hear a little bit deeper from you. You make music licensing really interesting and it's not for the average person who doesn't know a lot about it, but I think what you, what is so interesting is that, so if you don't know at home, all the music you see in commercials, every movie trailer, everything, every TV show, if there's music in it, there is a chain of people behind getting that song to you and it ends at the artist and the artist is like the last person to see the money and that sucks. So I would love <laughs> to hear from you why this is so important to you and how you want to help lift artists up by providing them with a better platform to get their music heard. Hey. Yeah, I think you are very eloquently put. That is exactly what occurs. And I think that my little little artist brain who had... She, she has a little artist It's just brain. a tiny little artist brain was in there just looking at, at the situation of how, how am I going to... I love making music. I know that I love that this is what I want to do. I met a group of people and I was like, these people love making music and this is what they want to do all day long. I would like to continue doing that with these people. Um, mostly, again, tying back to what we said before is that like in creative process with humans, it's like this interesting Petri dish for exploring one another's consciousness on another kind of level because you're not just, you know, Talking. Talking. (laughs) Which also is a very amazing thing that we're experiencing right now. But when you're kind of uh, translating this interesting creative energy into something, you also are really learning about human dynamics in a very interesting psychological and spiritual and uh, emotional way. Uh, So I I realized that. I was like, okay, this is is what I want to do. How do you make money at it? that's a whole nother thing. And it's always like, oh, do what you love and the money will come. And uh, you're like, where is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you keep doing what I love. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep doing this. Um, but we had a kind of a cool experience, um, I think it's three and a half years ago now, um, where this band um, that I started working with, the two producers of the band uh, called Karmic, really awesome band. You guys should go check it out. Plug. Uh, yeah, they uh, had a license for one of their songs um, in a Samsung commercial, and it was a large chunk of money coming to them, and it was really exciting, and we were kind of starting to formulate a business around it, um, figuring out the dynamics, how do we take this group of artists, and how do we put it together, and make an LLC, and uh, kind of see if we can become the person that's in between us and Samsung, because we come to find out that the the initial budget that they had for the commercial was much larger than what we ended up seeing because there were three people in, in between. Um, and so it was like, well, how do we cut out those middlemen and just become that person? Hysterically, and it's with most things in life, in the process of trying to get rid of the people in between, we have become one of the people in between. <laughs> uh, you are the man. Yeah, but, but I think... Was an, as with anything in life, like if you can shift, if you can move the needle a bit in the direction of of goodness, of actually taking into account certain things that, you know, industries get created and things have to move quickly. And I think people don't necessarily think about a lot of the 
kind of existential questions behind why we build the industries that we do. Why do we do business the way that we do? And Absolutely. so I was really drawn into it because I love being in constant existential crisis. So why not do it involved with something that I love? Um, and the music industry is a an industry that is hurting in a lot of ways because people just kind of move without contemplating what they're doing when they're really holding the sacredness that is music. Mm. It is vibrating air. It is frequency that allows us to move through things. It is, um, it's this one of the most healing. I mean, every art form is healing in its own capacity. Music moves us in a certain way that is so unique to itself and what it's capable of doing for like causing great shift on the planet. It is totally. Um, of course. Yeah, it is a, a magical, magical thing. So uh, back to the sort of concrete aspect of this. Uh, we were like, let's just figure out how to create deals where we're thinking with the artist in mind. We are artists, so what mm-hmm. feels good when we're crafting a deal, when we're trying to connect music with brands and uh, with movies and things that actually compensate artists um better than say streaming royalties um how can we how can we shape this so we're authentically thinking about the music and the artist um which in most creative industries is just as you were saying is not the norm yeah oftentimes when systems are put in place and they've existed for decades you especially as someone new to the scene, you don't question why things are the way no. they are. You just want to participate. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to take 20%? Okay, that's fine. I guess I yeah. 20% of the song that I spent four years writing? Oh, that's really fine. Yeah. And okay. I mean, and for the most part, like the music industry has been like, we will just, we'll take, we'll own it. We will own everything that you're doing. And and then we'll give you a little piece of it if it, if it does well. Or we'll spend a bunch of money on you. And you'll be crawling your way out of a hole. You won't see any money along the way. You know, we'll give you this money up front. You have to make it back. And if you don't make it back, we're just going to drop you and leave you without any ownership of the thing that you made and put into it. And it's it's one of those things where you start getting into, you start you start seeing deals. And, and this was kind of in the beginning. We were like, how do we how do we actually get our hands on more contracts that we can see and we can actually look at them? And mm. one of our team members, LP, is a lawyer and, and she, uh, we just started looking at contracts and, and kind of contemplating how can we just shift the dial a little bit in the direction of of humanity, really, and like mm. honoring each other and valuing one another. Um, we haven't quite figured it out entirely, but we're working on it every single day. And... I I really believe in my heart that we're in a super powerful time um, where even just peaking the conversation or like proposing to someone, hey, maybe if you think about this from the perspective of the creator or from the perspective of the the person who is building the contract, who's writing the contract and the art form of what it means to write a contract, mm. if we can kind of like see each other and what we're doing and value one another with um, authenticity and transparency, uh, it makes everything work better. And uh, yeah, so that's really what we're trying to do at Bad Owl. It's <laughs> it's so epic, everyone. Everyone listening, absolutely check out Bad Owl and their library of musicians. And if you need any music for something, yeah, we've got. Hey, that intro to the Budding Mind <laughs> podcast. 
That's a bad owl tune, baby. Yeah. Okay, so you made me think of two things. First of all, talking about LP, your lawyer, and just like the density of contracts, um, how important and powerful it is to have a lawyer friend. I was just thinking, wouldn't it be really cool if we had like lawyer friend mixers Mm -hmm. where lawyers could come to mixers and meet groups of friends that like need lawyers in their lives. Yeah. And then you give them a more interesting life and they give you the ability to read contracts. Now, moving along from that. (laughs) I think this is a great idea. You started Bad Owl how many years ago? It's been about three and a half years. So you've, I mean, from what was an idea that was created in the living room to now signing contracts, having multiple artists that you're juggling, recording original music, you're working on pitches for like HBO, for Netflix, for huge networks. Like this is so exciting and you're only on a trajectory upward, but you are gaining traction, you're gaining success and you want to create a system that is combating the systems that already exist. How is you find more success? Will you maintain integrity? And I don't question that in you as my friend, but I would love to hear that perspective from you if that's something you've toyed around with at all. How do you not fall for the same trap that's been set up for you? I, it is, I, I wholeheartedly believe it comes from just consistent contemplation. Hmm. Uh, I can't say for certain because I can't say much for certain. Uh, but that's my inkling. That's that's what I'm curious about most is kind of if we can continue to to question what it is we're doing enough that it keeps us open to evolution without uh, holding us back from moving forward. Because sometimes you can get so in the kerfuffle of whatever it is that you can't, you get paralyzed in the questioning of what it is, what, you know, the relationship consisted in discussing whether or not it existed. And we've definitely been there as a, as a company, as a, um, because again, I love using a, a business. What is it? It's a petri dish for human evolution. It's just another opportunity for people to get together and try and figure out how to work together and, and make something larger than themselves. And there's been times where it's, it's, you know, the contemplation supersedes the ability to move forward. And where we are now is really, trying to keep the energy and momentum of moving forward and but consistently have check-ins so that we we know where everyone is at and um are able to to keep that in mind yeah to keep that in mind and, and hopefully not become the thing that we hate hopefully become make it a spiral not a circle i always say like it's you know we're gonna have to go back past the same place but hopefully it's moving in the direction (laughs) we're not just gonna be in a never-ending loop of whatever and another thing that so uh the other night megan and i our incredible friends hosted a crypto 101 session for us and it was well over my head but you know i gleaned some nuggets of at least things worthy of my contemplation, maybe not full understanding. Uh, But I I bring this up because we discussed NFTs. And for those of you who are listening and you don't know what an NFT is, let me chonkily explain it to you. (laughs) A non-fungible token. Yeah. Uh, It is essentially a digital entity that exists and there is always a record of who owns it behind it, attached to it, right? Mm -hmm. So... um, what we're seeing NFTs as in the crypto world right now is they are art forms. They're digital art forms, pieces of art that only exist on your phone. You can only see them in the digital sphere and, and people can buy them with crypto. And 
I hopefully this isn't totally confusing, but um, I mentioned this because a friend last night who was hanging out with me had never heard NFT. Oh, really? Literally never heard of it. Wow. So just wanted to put that into people's consciousness to begin with, but NFTs kind of play into licensing in a new world in a really interesting and complex way, but... Is that something that you could speak to a little bit? Like, is this on your brains at all right now to dive into uh, that world? Yes. I mean, honestly, that's been, it's been floating in my mind so much on on a, a level of contemplation, on this kind of philosophical level of, of what's happening with our industry. Because again, it's like we're constantly just trying to shift things to have Transparency, because that's another thing that is really, really missing from a lot of our industries. I don't think the music industry has that unlock. I think every industry that that people are trying to break out of at this point are are struggling with the fact is that we we don't really have to share everything that's going on. We don't have to share what kind of taxes we're paying. We don't have mm. to share what um, how much that person's getting paid. Yeah, what the practices are of involving the environment. Like these things are. Um, can be kept under wraps and and we know that when we hide things or we repress things usually they come back to bite us and I think that's kind of where we are collectively right now Um, but NFTs make it very exciting being placed on the blockchain because transparency is a huge part of that you can see every transaction and what makes NFTs incredible is that formerly when an artist sells a piece and this you know goes mostly for for visual art in the sense that if you are starting out and you you know you paint a dog and it's like this great dog and you're like okay here I am at this age and I sell you this dog for twenty dollars you know 15 years from now when your dog painting career has exploded and you try and sell the and someone whoever bought that for twenty dollars sells it for two hundred million dollars you don't make anything off of it because uh you sold it. It's done. Transaction yeah. complete. Complete. And now it's just the art dealers that are making the money off of it and the people that are, uh, y- you know, it's 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 a separating class in another way of the totally. people that can hold the art and then the artist gets screwed over at the bottom. So with an NFT... Common story. Yeah. <laughs> we're seeing it again. But an NFT, you can attach a a percentage on a smart contract that is held on the blockchain so forevermore if you put an nft and you could attach a digital nft to a physical dog painting like you could have a digital version of it and then also the dog painting forevermore you could receive anywhere from 10 to 50 percent of every future sale every future sale of that thing and so how that ties into music licensing is that you know, and that totally exists in the digital space. So yeah. if I sell you my song for a show and then it gets used somewhere else, I yeah. will always receive a percentage of my song and what's, or the royalties. Yeah, and what's interesting is that that is what the intention behind the really complicated system of collecting music royalties, which I won't bore you all too much with, but right. it, it's, <laughs> it's they tried to solve the problem. They tried to solve the problem um, especially when there used to be sheet music for actual songs. So there would be a copyright on the sheet music. But not, the system hasn't evolved since that time. We're like, we don't really sell 
cheap music anymore. People people still buy it. That's a thing, but it's not like generally people aren't going to the store and buying the sheet music so that they can play the piano and and then the composer isn't getting a cut off of that. Mm-hmm. We just have this super archaic system that doesn't allow for money to move at the rate at which our society is moving. Yeah, and things are existing more in a digital sphere now. It's again, yeah. it's not it's not sheet music. It's not as tangible, so it makes sense that an economic system would have to rise to meet yeah the times but how exciting no and it's what's really like crypto um and this is not a crypto podcast so god sorry i went there <laughs> but like it really does push the edge of my mind it really like it pushes the edges of my understanding and it's really cool when things do that as human beings because life is so day-to-day and yeah. like when you get to learn something new <gasps> what a gift like these breaths of fresh air and even if it is like an overwhelming amount to really wrap yourself around um you know it's it's worth it if there's an interest there it's worth it to just to tap at at the edges and something that obviously taps at our edges Mm -hmm. our plant medicines Mm -hmm. and and i almost (laughs) there was like some kind of parallel between the rise of the crypto world expanding us and and how psychedelics expand us and just like the capacity the need for the capacity of the mind to be able to hold these new ideas and and i largely attribute that in my experience to plant medicines and so i would love to pivot our conversation a little bit here yeah and um i guess first thing that's on my mind is plant medicines are becoming so popularized right now and you and I have been you know taking mushrooms and LSD for many many years so how are you you know how are you observing this rise in popularity and holding your own authentic relationship with these substances hmm it's quite the pivot well, no, I mean, I will say I definitely think that plant medicines have helped with the rise of cryptocurrency. I think because they, they elevate you to, to Be just... Able to perceive yeah. something new. Like, oh, like, okay, sure, I'll jump on the bandwagon of this like totally etheric uh-huh. system that's just on computers. You, you, have a new, you have a new perspective on it, and so suddenly you can contemplate the things that you were doing for a very long time a certain way, and it's like you get another rung up on the ladder, and I think... Um, psychedelics just just aid in, in your ability to do that. They just they broaden your perspective, and and I I believe it's gonna work together for good. I really do. I think, of course, my heart sometimes questions when anything becomes too popular if uh, people will hold the sacredness of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, it's going to be some trial and error as we move forward. And all the uncles are doing ayahuasca and stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's, we got to. All your uncles. (laughs) All my uncles. (laughs) All All my uncles. uncles. (laughs) No, I say that because it was like two Christmases ago where I feel like I had like multiple uncles at, at Christmas start being like, so like Michael Pollan has a book about psychedelics and I feel mm-hmm. like that really reached the uncle demographic where it was like okay now we can start talking about this and mm-hmm. I was the person that they came to to want to talk about it and I'm like I kind of fill that role in my family how for epic <laughs> how <laughs> epic to not be the black sheep but to be the technicolor coated sheep yeah that is vibrating in a rainbow of colors that is so intriguing and enchanting that you're 
backwoods uncles and aunts are like, I actually, I, I want to know more about that. Yeah. And I'm not going to make fun of you and I'm not going to challenge you. I mm-hmm. might just listen to you. Like to hold that space in your family's lineage is like, whoa, how lucky. And also like, whoa, it's not a burden, but like, oh, really me? <laughs> I'm going to be the container for all this. Okay. Um, but you were, you were talking about the, yeah, as things become more popular, how will we maintain the sacredness yeah. of these, these, I believe these plants have consciousnesses. Yeah. And when we dabble in their realms, we get to experience their consciousness. And, and there is something, there's something totally, I mean, not something, consciousness is sacred, whatever yeah. level it's at. And, you know, I, I'm, I obviously work in cannabis and I see so many parallels to the psychedelic movement that are great, which is essentially the legalization yeah. and understanding that these are medicines and they should be free for all. Uh, but there is, with anything, with any sale of any product, you lose integrity. Yeah. Because first things first, when something is being sold, the first objective of that business is not how will I change the world? Yeah. You really like, and, and I would love to be challenged on that, but the first objective is how do I sell this thing? And yeah. then it might be, but I want to sell it with integrity and authenticity and I want it to really help people. And I really, but first I'm going to try to convince as many people as possible that this is the magic pill for them. And it's a really interesting time that I hope to bring more like light to in just, in just the questioning. Yeah. The questioning of everything. Yeah. And if there is something that I've learned from plant medicines, it's question everything, even the teachers themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I, I just am seeing the parallel of this, of what we were just talking about in the music industry and what's interesting about music and plant medicine and where wherever these other consciousness come from, they have instruction sometimes Mm. in in the level of of sacredness and like you can try and tune it out and I think a lot of people do but whether the tuning out which then leads you to a darker place which then actually sets you back on track it's kind of like I oftentimes choose to take a macro perspective where you zoom way out and you realize like good bad you know I don't we don't know it's all part of the ride it's all part of the journey so so even if we have to go down a darker path of where the psychedelic can take you, ultimately you might have needed that in order to be knocked back in the direction. And I think, you know, given the state of our world, that's often not the most popular opinion because it's like, everything, there's so much suffering, there's so much pain. How can you say, like, that's a part of what needs to happen? Uh, there isn't anything else like what else is there except for what we're here to experience so uh you kind of have to allow and I feel like that's where I'm at right now I'm like I'm gonna allow these little mushrooms to get into they might be getting pressed into pills and given to people in a capacity that like I wouldn't necessarily have thought was the right way to do it or um but they're still they're still getting in there and they're still expanding people's hearts and minds and uh and I think, I think it, it's gonna help a lot. I think it's yeah. gonna really, um, of course. And, yeah. And um, you know, you're reminding me that above all, like, who am I to judge? Yeah. <laughs> who am I to judge 
what's there's this beautiful phrase that I always botch, but you'll get the sense of it, which is there is no right way up the mountain. Yeah. Their only wrong way is the person who is going around telling everyone else their route is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there's a million ways up the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the way it goes. So yeah, if you want to go to a, a and honestly, I want to go to a ketamine clinic. Who am I kidding? <laughs> Who am I kidding? Dude, I mean, it's, it again, I come back to like the, the sacredness and holding that to it, which I think is is really important. And But then also taking the perspective that like, I, I don't really think, I think there's two types of people in the world, maybe the people that see the sacredness and the people that haven't yet seen the sacredness. But they need to tap it first before they can get there. Yeah, and they got to go through what they got to go through and... And it can be a, a beautiful process. It can be a horrible process. It can be any kind of process. It's all of the things. Yeah. I saw this. Oh, this fabulous meme the other day that was Thanksgiving's coming up. Don't know when this podcast will air, but uh, it said I'm gonna coat the turkey this year in LSD and see who really has their shit together. <laughs> and you really just never know what is going to come up in these in uh, when you're dancing with plant medicines but I've had some crazy shit go down from uh mushrooms and LSD and ayahuasca etc and I know you have too because I've been there for a long bit (laughs) so is there one particular experience or journey or story that you could share with us perhaps it's even the first time Mm. taking a, a plant medicine an entheogen or maybe it's a time that was really dark and what you learned from it um yeah, I would love to hear inside that little artist brain. Well, I think because we're both here, I might have to share a little bit about it one time where we took LSD together in great story <laughs> in the desert. We were at a festival called Lightning in a Bottle, and <laughs> and young, and I don't really know that we understood what we were tapping into, but also, uh, it it I mean, it was a weird. It, it got dark and wild, and and. And in festival settings too, like you have, there's so many people and there's so many people using these substances together and the rate at which you can experience depth kind of can rocket you to places you aren't necessarily prepared for. You tap into (laughs) a greater trip. Like you're on your own trip and then like the whole vortex of people around you. Yeah, amoeba of consciousness (laughs) soup that you're kind of dumped into. Um, And I just have this really funny visual of you and I just raising our hands it just being like i have a question where's the the teacher i need is anybody that like who's in charge here <laughs> the theme like who is in charge here and how do i which was very formative in my growth of like stepping into being an adult and realizing that there isn't really anyone in charge here you are in charge <laughs> and it was so funny and silly but i, I I think it actually shaped me a lot in being able to step into my womanhood in like a, a new way. God, I love that so much. Who's in charge? <laughs> I questioned it a lot I now. I really still. wanted some help. Like, can someone help me make sense of this? And that is a really interesting thing about journeying too is um, making sense of it. Mm-hmm. And like letting your mind make sense of it and not trying to combat whatever's happening in your mind when it doesn't make sense. And I think that's the really particularly tricky part that can send someone into a bad trip and you know this is not to brag in any way I find it fascinating and it's presented its own difficulties for me personally but I've never actually had a quote bad trip Hmm. per se 
I have learned things. I have gone to dark places. I've seen creepy crawlers in the universe. Like all of that has happened, but it's never inside of those experiences while riding these chemical waves. I've never been like, <sighs> like totally freaked the fuck out. Yeah. But human broke outside of those experiences can attribute so much fear. Yeah. That I, I'm, I get worried before I take mushrooms. And, and this didn't happen when I was younger when there was yeah. less at stake. Yeah. When I would just be like, yeah, what's this? Four <laughs> grams, whatever. Like, I didn't weigh it. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, now there's just more responsibility in life. And there's more layers and, and more that feels like it weighs on me. So when I do enter into these uh, trips, sometimes, like, my heart... And it's good to have that fear because yeah. you need to have that fear to keep you aware and present and mm-hmm. to ensure that you really care about the experience. But um, I, I ask this to you, like, how do you combat that fear? How do you manage that fear? Do you experience that when you're about to trip balls? Or do you just say, like, say la vie? I mean, I honestly think I learned. I mean, I, I've said this to you before, but I think particularly with cannabis you taught me how to smoke weed and not freak the fuck out like teacher has become (laughs) (laughs) but no but i think that so much of our own personal perspectives like uh of life again of being able to step back in like and and really appreciate all of it even like someone else might have had your experience and been like this was a bad trip but because you have (laughs) the ability to really absorb and look at more holistic perspective of what's going on Mm -hmm. it allows you to like to learn from it in a way that doesn't necessarily have to be a good good or bad in whatever capacity it's just like wisdom which comes from Mm. life experience and uh i i definitely i mean even we we recently had a an ayahuasca experience for uh for brooke's birthday i hope that i can share with this but it was a uh i've you know, been been studying with ayahuasca and sitting with ayahuasca for four or five years now. And I've, uh, you know, not in comparison, but I have done a fair amount of it, I think, in a, in a certain way. And, and, and maybe you reach tears where you're like, yeah, like, I know what's going on. Like, I'm going to sit in ceremony. It's going to be great. And then you have a ceremony where you sit with a bunch of your friends and you're taken to a whole nother perspective. And I was like, completely humbled by that experience completely humbled and it does make me trepidatious to dive right back in to do it again like i i want to take the time to really integrate those practices and really walk in this realm with those things that i've learned and um and i think that's something that i've learned with age is just allowing the time for um for the integration of what you've learned to to germinate and flower inside of you because there's these little seeds that get planted and and allowing them space to grow uh is not something that I always could could see in in my younger self like I just kind of wanted wanted the instant gratification of the feeling associated with getting somewhere other than where you are um and now now it's different well that trepidation does you know, even if human selves perceive that as negative, mm-hmm. perhaps it really is just like a push from the universe, a little send of like, pause, take time, take space, yeah. don't rush through this. Like, if there's fear there, then just like look at that. Then maybe you, maybe that that's, 
yeah, you shouldn't dive right back in. Yeah, the, <laughs> there is more to unfold. The like the fear sometimes is important because you it's getting to the other side of the fear. Like we're always told, like don't have fear, but but fear can actually be a very informative. Uh, all of our emotions are like guardrails in certain capacities that are just directing us in in a certain way. So if we can look at it, we can learn from that as well. We can learn from it all. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, you obviously. And I'm sure everyone's gleaning have a huge container of wisdom inside of that very small and jacked body. (laughs) But I have one final question that I'm going to pull out your last nuggets. So this is the Budding Mind podcast. Mm -hmm. What? Budding Mind. Wow. You know, we love to expand perspectives. That's that's what I live for. I love Mm. to have my mind changed or, or probed. And so... Perhaps there is something that you could share a moment in life where either a concept expanded your mind, pushed you, Mm. or something where you've changed your mind, changed your stance. Oh my goodness. I I think it gets changed every day now. I think... uh, There's a lot of information coming at us, so it's good to stay open to that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and maybe that's just it, is, is that I you live and you think that things will be a certain way and then they aren't and <laughs> that seems so simple and and silly um but i think just allowing being being present to what is is different than trying to figure out what you are i i guess uh and and especially like pursuing a creative career in Los Angeles you kind of have this idea that sometime at one point you make it or mm. it's a um and and I've I've been impressed I've been impressed at how long that little thing can hang on that that concept can hang on that there is a point at which you make it and life becomes a thing whatever the thing you thought it was going to be um like that's such a grips it hangs on and and in reality it's just this this beautiful continuum of things and allowing it just continue to move that's the the deeper i can hold on to that and really let go of the concept that there's anywhere to get uh the the freer i feel there is no different than here Mm -hmm. you just gave me mad (laughs) chills. all right my dear darling megan kinney who I love with my whole heart. Mm. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, gracing us with your time and your words and your processes. Can you tell everyone where they can find your music first? A. And uh, in the digital spheres, how they might connect with you. Uh, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, YouTube. Uh, I am Kinney. I am Kinney. And... Well, on Spotify, it's just Kinney, and I have an album out called So Glad You Exist, because I'm a little hard to find still on Spotify, but we're working on it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and on Instagram, I am Kinney. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke Bergstahl. I love you with my whole heart. I love you so much. <laughs> and I love Budding Mind. <laughs> budding Mind. <laughs>